0: Welcome to another episode of Culinary School Stories, the bi-weekly podcast that is dedicated to sharing the stories of people around the globe whose lives have been influenced, impacted, touched, and or enriched, for good or for bad, from their culinary school experience. Hi, my name is Colin Roach and I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. You are an important part of this show where we ask the question, what's your culinary school story? So now, without any further delay, let's meet today's guest. My guest today is Jordan Fulchero, who went from a pre-med school to culinary school, then to grad school, and now is teaching culinary school and raising a family. So I'd like to start right out by welcoming Jordan. How are you?
1: I'm good, thanks. How are you?
0: I'm great. Thanks for coming on the show and telling us about your culinary school story. Thank you. So why don't you start out by telling us where you went to culinary school first and how long the program was?
1: Um, sure. I went to culinary school at Le Cordon Bleu and the Pennsylvania Institute of Culinary Arts. I spent the year that they had first merged together, so I was able to get my associate's degree along with the Le Cordon Bleu certificate when I graduated the school itself was about 16 months in the classroom and in the kitchen laboratories and then afterwards a culinary externship somewhere in the country for 6 months and then you got you received your diploma
0: perfect now tell me about how you made that transition to culinary school, because I understand that uh, you were in that pre-med or that clinical laboratory program. You actually graduated from it. We're going to go on to medical school. Tell us that story, how you transitioned to culinary school, because it seems like a little bit of a leap.
1: Yes, it was a leap. I'm pretty sure my parents would say (laughs) it was a leap. Um, I was from a family in the medical field. Uh, My father, mother, um, uncles, aunts were all in the medical field as nurses or doctors and other you know, different aspects of the health health industry. And I just always had that as my end game. I wanted to do it. So during college um, at University of Pittsburgh, I, I took the science courses. I took a science path all throughout school. However, while I was in college, I worked in I worked in a bakery. That was in Pittsburgh called Squirrel Hill. And the owners of that bakery also owned a restaurant in the south side of Pittsburgh. And I helped out there as well. And the more I did that, the more I was interested in exploring a background in culinary. I wasn't sure about school yet, but I, when you present something to my dad, uh, <laughs> you always like to be very prepared. Um, and I was, uh, you know, about to tell him, Hey, I, yes, I know I wanted to do the medical school thing. I'm struggling a little bit. I, I really think I'd love to take some time to maybe take a year or so off and try out culinary school.
0: Wow. How did he take that?
1: Um, I remember it plain as day because it was, he's since passed and it's one of my favorite memories. He, um, he was an orthopedic surgeon. And we met at a diner called Ritter's Diner in Friendship of Pittsburgh. It was this great little place with uh, music on all the tables, a little jukebox. And I sat there and I told him and I you know, Dad, I think I want to think I don't want to do this medical stuff anymore. I'm not happy. Um, but I love cooking. And, uh, he said to me that I could sit there and tell him I was going to be a kamikaze while he would be concerned. He would never not be proud of me. So he's fully supported it. And he, uh, Actually, became excited, you know, and would cut out a lot of articles about other people that went to uh, culinary school and call me when he met someone else at culinary school. So they were very supportive, both he and my mom.
0: Oh, that's great. It's good because I'm sure you were really nervous to tell me. <laughs> I was. I was. <laughs> And you even said there was a certain song that was so vivid in your mind, even when you were telling him this? Um, I think it was Under Pressure or something like that. From, oh,
1: yeah. So he was a huge Freddie Mercury fan. And he played that every time we went there. Every single time we went there. And part of it was a joke because of the, taking these hard biochem classes and things like that. But he always played that. And he played that. Yep. How appro-
0: How appropriate. It was. It was. <laughs> Great. So let's think about your first day when you showed up at uh, the cordon bleu at that at that point which what it was and you had already come from having a four-year degree so you may not have been the typical student or may have but think back what do you wish you had known when you had started out in culinary school was it like you imagined it was gonna be or was it totally different kind of walk us through that
1: I was very nervous to start culinary school especially in Pittsburgh I took the bus everywhere I didn't have my own car yet And to be on that campus, it was very strict. You had to have your uniform had to be neatly pressed. You had to have it on, couldn't go there and change and start class. So that meant I had to wait at the bus stop with a necktie and a hat and my entire uniform on uh, for the bus and ride the bus in my uniform. And so I had that sort of terror. And um, once once you get closer to the campus, you see everybody wearing it. Um, there were a couple schools in the downtown area, the Art Institute, and there was one other school and there were culinary programs. So there was a lot of people wearing the same uniform. And uh, I was a little worried. You know, I, I went in there kind of thinking I knew everything. Academically, I just finished college, you know, just graduated. And but this was, I didn't know, I didn't know about this sort of subject matter. I was a little nervous.
0: Um, did you get any questions when you're on the bus in your uniform? Did people talk to you like, what's your favorite recipe or how do you cook this? Or, Mm
1: -hmm. yeah, or I have a you know, my grandmother makes this pie. Do you know what she puts in it? It tastes like you know that kind of thing. Um, Or it was a ton of questions about going to culinary school. Is it hard to get in? Is it, can you still work and go there? Um, A lot of questions because usually everybody that's on the bus that early in the morning is going to school or to work. Right, right.
0: So was it uh, more of a self conscious thing wearing the jacket, or more of a proud thing like, "Look at me, I'm a chef," and these people are talking to me?
1: Well, my very first day, I was a little ner. I was, yeah, I'd never been in a chef uniform <laughs> before. You know, the restaurants that I was working in, nobody wore. You know, they wore chef coats, but not the
0: full uniform. I'm you know,
1: sure. necktie and and um, where I got the bus to go to school was right outside on the corner where of the bakery that I worked. Oh, um, and so you know, a couple of the guys from the bakery were, you know. Wishing me luck, but it was also like, what are you wearing? That metal, you know, that metal necktie. uh, What is that? Mm -hmm. You know, Um, but the second day I was excited to get on the bus and for people to know that I was heading to culinary school.
0: Sure. What was your best class at culinary school? What was your worst?
1: Um, My... That culinary school was probably the the final class that you get to take before you graduate, which was more of the garmage. Yeah, yeah, it was garmage, and it was also international. They combined them both. Okay, it was very intense. I would say we were there almost eight hours a day in the kitchen labs. We would do one course cleanup and then do the second course, um, meaning like we do garmage the first part, and then we would use the items that we made to maybe go into international, and that was my favorite. It's hard to say a least favorite. I didn't. I didn't really have a least favorite, but maybe one that terrified me was a my meats kitchen. That was taught by a chef. Uh, his name was Chef Panzanella, and he was very strict. You, if you whistled, you got kicked out. If you talked, you got kicked out of the kitchen. It was, and he was frightening. I mean, he. My my dad was Italian, but this guy was was Italian. He had. But she. Uh, eyebrows. He was uh, always scowling and just always telling you how Italian he was. <laughs> and so you wanted to please him because you were terrified of him. And when you did cook in his class, you had to sit and eat the meal with him at the end of the class. Just you and him at a little cafe, very intimidating.
0: Did students get thrown out or probably only happened once, right?
1: Yes, it. Uh, students did. I mean, I have a very vivid memory of, of a girl uh, who was cooking next to me. I really liked her. She was really funny and she was stirring something. It was a uh, some sort of broth she was stirring it and stirring it very slowly and she just started whistling and I was terrified for her because I could see across you know the kitchen I could see chef tilt his head up because he heard it and then he was looking and she just was in she was in his zone so she was she was happy whistling and whistling <laughs> and he was coming closer and closer and I didn't want to warn her and yeah I, it just was so uh, just that was a scary day but she ended up getting thrown out of that class um, it, it
0: happened a lot did he ever say why whistling bothered him
1: um he didn't i was reading one of the books we had in school and it did say uh, you know i realized there's a lot of different cooking techniques you know listen, if it's whistling, you know, if the skin of the fish is whistling, you know, turn it over. And maybe that's why. I'm not sure. I I never knew. (laughs) Too afraid to ask him, I guess. Yeah.
0: Now, as a culinary instructor, is that a rule you enforce where you teach?
1: No, no.
0: (laughs) They can whistle?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. um, I think the biggest part of being in the kitchen is having fun. Usually everybody's there. Nobody's forced to go to culinary school. You know, I am very finicky about music in my cafe kitchen um i don't like music blasting during service just because it's i want everybody to be alert and hear the tickets and things like that but for prep i i think it's fun when everyone brings in their different musical tastes and we all listen to them as we get prepared for the day
0: and it seems now you don't have to have one radio you they can all wear their individual yep. ones and keep mm-hmm. it quiet too Awesome. Uh, What advice would you give someone wanting to go into culinary school? Whether it's where you teach, or well, you know, another culinary school. You know, what what was some general advice that you might give them, or even going into the kitchen today?
1: I would say there are a lot of myths out there about you know you don't need to go to culinary school; you can just and work your way up. And I've done both. I started as a dishwasher and worked my way up. Also went to culinary school. If you're that passionate about cooking. Culinary school is the way to go because it really helps everyone in that room with you is just as passionate as you are. You know, you're you're excited to be there. You want to learn all about Escoffier and, and all the different techniques. And everyone else does as well. And it's really where I learned a lot. You learn purchasing in a quiet environment. You learn how to purchase an, an order for an operation. And yeah, you can learn that in a restaurant too, but it's much better in a setting where you can ask questions and learn over and over by a, you know, a skilled individual. I I wouldn't change it for the world. There's knowledge that I have that I learned there that I would never have learned in the industry.
0: When you get exposed to so many different, mm-hmm. you know, chef instructors or chefs or, you know, people that are out there, so you get different perspectives. We well, you, you might not get that right. being in the industry too. So you mentioned a myth. What is one common myth about the profession or culinary school, the industry, the kitchen that you want to debunk?
1: One myth about the industry is, you know, it's one I had my externship and I started there, everyone would tell me, "Oh, you don't need culinary school. you'll learn you'll learn here and you'll learn really fast. But I found that the techniques such as knife skills, you can't learn knife skills, in a in a fast pace, hitting the proper way to learn the knife skills. That's a myth. You can learn a lot by just going, diving right into the industry and washing dishes and prepping food. But the technique to uh, make a hollandaise, to, you know, all of your knife cuts, to practice and see the proper way to present, you know, the different cuisines, to know which spice goes with which type of protein. Uh, those are things that take a while. Sure, you can learn how that restaurant's going to season their food or break down their proteins, but to learn the proper way to break down a fish, to break down a side of beef, how to sharpen your knife, little things like that, I, I just think are invaluable. And it you, you can't pick up on all that. And it's never going to hinder you as a chef taking that step and going to culinary school. It's only going to help.
0: Exactly. I agree. I think that's good. Now, Cordon Blue, that was a so that was a for profit and you're currently working for a non profit community college. What do you see the differences? Is there a difference between the two kind of, you know, philosophies?
1: Um so currently I am at Durham Tech Community College and I was teaching at the Art Institute, which Durham Tech purchased. So I'm not teaching culinary for Durham Tech. I'm okay. running their cafe for all of their campuses. Um, but I will say at I get to be a part of uh, the business end of things now and you know the way that the students are are responsible for their coming to class um, is very different with the with the private school for profit you, you had every single type of protein at your at your fingertips. you had the best of the best and it was great. When you're in a program that's not for profit, really be ready to cook what you're going to make you have to, as an instructor, you'd have to determine what is the most important technique that you want your student to learn. We're not going to get surgeon uh, caviar here for the students to try. But what can we do, you know, that's just as, as valuable for them, for their palates? What can we work on? So I think that's that's probably a big part of it.
0: So it's like comes down to budget, then, you know, a lot of the, the money. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you're going to teach sauté, you could sauté vegetables, or you could sauté duck breast or lobster. right. <laughs> so it's just kind of the ingredients and the budget. Mm -hmm. Great. And did you see any differences between male and female being a student or being in this industry or kind of coming up through the ranks?
1: Um, I did. Um, I do. I still do. In my experience, you know, as an instructor, I guess I'll start there as an instructor, I see. There's there was a very even mix of male to female in the classes. Um, it was interesting. I remember taking note of that when I had first started at the Art Institute of Raleigh, Durham. Amazed that you could pair up boys and girls. There was enough. Um, when I went to culinary school, there were there was a, a woman an older woman, and then another student who had just finished college. And we were the only three girls that started in my class. The rest were all men. So an instructor perspective, I think it's very uh, even right now, uh, more so than it was before. Uh, As an industry professional, there's always going, it always kind of felt uh, like an uphill battle as a female in a career path. I've I feel I've had to work a little harder and I'm okay with that because I got to where I am by working every single step of the way. Maybe it was harder. Um, maybe it was more challenging, but you know, you meet the challenges head on and you get to where you are. So I, I definitely think in the culinary industry, it is, I hate to use the word, harder. It's possible. It's just a little, there's a few more, uh, bumps and obstacles along the way for women in the industry.
0: So do you think now that there's more females, like you mentioned when you taught, than when you went to school, do you think it's just that the time has changed or was it the schools? You think the, they you know, attracted a different, uh, know, gender at that at school. Or you just think it's changing.
1: Um, I I think the industry is just changing. the industry as a whole is changing. I think women are really making a name for themselves as culinary professionals. It's not you know. I think the the grandmoms that are in the kitchen that taught all the kids had to cook, I think they're coming out. Uh, people are taking, are realizing how in value were. Yes, back in the day, women did primarily most of the cooking, but I think women are making a name for themselves now. I think their talent is really showing and I think they're confident enough to show their talent to everyone.
0: Back when you were in school, did you see that, Did were you treated any different because by like, say, the instructors or your classmates? Because maybe it wasn't as um, normal maybe as it is today. Do you see, were they cha- treating anyone different? Everybody Everybody was the same.
1: Um, I don't think I was treated any differently in culinary school. I, okay. I had one class taught by a female chef. All the other chefs were male,
0: and they just taught everybody the same. Everybody's, this is what you got to do, and this is what we. Yep. Good. And why did you decide to go into teaching of culinary school? Why did you want to, um, instead of going like into the industry afterwards? Why did you choose, you know, education?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I spent a lot of time working. Um, in the industry. And after I decided to have a family, I wanted something that where I could be at home more, sort of present more. It's, you know, it's always a reluctant decision uh, for a chef to step out of that kitchen. You feel bad, you're supposed to love to be home with your kids. And then, you know, you get that phone call from your sous chef that you missed a huge Friday night rush. And you know, it's, it's a hard transition to make. And I decided to teach because I wanted to stay relevant. I wanted to still learn. I wanted to still be able to show my students that you can kind of mold the industry to what your needs are and, and your path that you want to take. To do. Yeah,
0: great. Yeah. You mentioned corporate being different. How so? I mean, maybe speak to that a little bit. How is that different than maybe the, the, the independent restaurant that you might have been in before?
1: Yes. So, you know, when you're in corporate and especially in healthcare, there is a budget. Uh, there's always a budget, but this is a budget that does not budge. <laughs> uh, you are given, you know, you are given $2 or less to give, you know, your patients three meals a day and then, and including snacks. And then you're also expected to have the highest, you know, patient satisfaction scores. So is the challenge of all challenges. And the first thing people want to run to are canned goods and prepared foods because it's cheaper and it requires less labor. You know, it is what it is. My job, um, while it was still corporate was because I was charged with taking a, a menu and making it 93% from scratch. So I was basically going into psych facilities and teaching their kitchen staffs how to keep food costs, um, and how to prepare instead of opening up a pan of mac and cheese that came in from the food purveyor already made, how to boil the noodles and make the mac and cheese yourself for the patients. It was an uphill battle trying to prove to everyone that that was the way to go and that they would see by the end of the tunnel with the patients loving their food.
0: So it it was a challenge. That business aspect is really important, you know, for especially students today. Did you you think you got a good handle on that in school or did you have to learn that kind of you know, through on your own or through industry? Or did you bring that with you?
1: Um, I think I was able to take that corporate position because of culinary school, because of those classes that you take recipe manufacturing, standardized recipe instruction. You know, you're wowing the customers and you're hoping to make up that money by the amount of food that you sell. The patients aren't per se paying for their food by item. It's all built into their facility that they're in. So if I didn't take that class on meat management, food costs, I mean, weighing your your scrap and trying to kind of judge, you know, I mean, we had to figure out if we bought a 30 pound roast. And we ran out of food for the last 10. We had, I had to learn all of that in culinary school, how to weigh that meat, how to account for the scraps, et cetera. And bringing that into my corporate position, I was able to find out that they were, the oven was too high. They were overcooking, uh, or they were not trimming the meat properly. I would never have been uh, on top of uh, if I hadn't gone to culinary
0: school. So if you could do it all over again, all, you would do the same route or would you ch- change it at all? Would you say yes, it's uh, after this reflection now, it's it's is culinary school worth it?
1: Yes, I definitely would have gone to culinary school again. I wish I had known a little earlier, and maybe I could have saved you know my parents a lot of money. <laughs> But I am thankful I have both degrees. At uh, culinary school, I would, I would do it again in a heartbeat. It led me to move to Seattle and get to work at a fabulous high-paced restaurant with a James Beard award-winning chef. It led me to North Carolina. You know, it's all of the adventures I've taken have all started with culinary school. You know, every you can wanna be a chef and you can dream about it and you can think about it, but the minute you step foot into your into culinary school on that very first day, that's one step closer to making your dreams come true. And it feels so neat to know that by the end of it you're gonna be successful.
0: Great. And what do you wish your students that you see now or you did see when you were a teacher what, what do you wish that they knew coming in what would the, how would how could they be better prepared
1: um yes I think you know while it's great that food has taken over um, all forms of social media and television and things like that I think sort of it would be nice if everybody didn't have it in the idea that they were going to be the next Anthony Bourdain if you want to enter into a culinary field, You should be entering that because this cooking is a passion of yours. Being a successful six-figure chef is obviously not always going to happen. Um, it rarely happens. But I would ask yourself, do you have the passion? Do you want to cook food and why? And making sure that your goals are realistic. I think that would be my advice. Why are you doing this? And hopefully the answer would be that they're doing it because they, they feel a creative path of food and preparing food for others and not that they want to be a you know, multi-million dollar chef on the Food Network, which it could happen, but
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: unrealistic goal <laughs> to
0: start out with. <laughs> Baby steps, right? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think is the future of culinary school?
1: Yeah, it's, it's difficult. Um, you know, as you watch the news, more and more of them are closing. More of the private schools, especially here. I mean, the Art Institute that I worked for closed. But it is exciting that places like Durham Tech took on uh, the Art Institute campus and are providing culinary school for those less fortunate for those students who can get financial aid and go to school and complete the program and you don't have to pay culinary school loads of money to to get the degree i think it's opening it up to everyone so while the schools you know maybe some of the private schools are going away the sort of public or you know the community schools that are open to everyone broaden culinary spectrum and and keep people interested in going to school and pursuing that career
0: yeah because it is very expensive to execute it i mean you have i don't know mm-hmm. 15 20 students in a lab and all the food and the products you have to purchase and you know it's not like a yes. lecture class where you can fit in 100 and mm-hmm. the skill involved so it is yep. expensive.
1: it's expensive to learn definitely
0: um what about the value of culinary school to apprenticeship do you do you know anything about apprenticeship do you do that i mean you have externships internships mm-hmm. um how do you see that in relationship is one better than the other anything you can speak to on that
1: um, yes, I think the two go hand in hand. I don't think you can have one without the other. In my opinion, I needed it. I was going from two completely different backgrounds. So uh, for me, my externship was so vital in my culinary success because I was able to then take things that I learned in culinary school and apply it. In real time. Yes, you know, I learned the hard way. I'm not going to make hollandaise with uh, one arm behind my back with a whisk <laughs> like I learned in culinary school. I'm going to make it really fast in a robo But I already knew how to set up the butter and I already knew the acid to fat ratio for that. And it's that sort of knowledge uh, that you can bring in when you're doing your apprenticeship and your externships in Seattle. My, I remember the chef saying, "Oh, you already know you already know how to break down that snapper, so I don't have to take time and tell you, you know, how to do it. That's good. So you'll just break down snapper." And it caused a huge problem because there was another guy that was waiting to be taught how to break down snapper, but I already knew how to do it, so I got ahead. And I think that's why I feel the two go hand in hand. You need one to supplement the other.
0: Do you have any stories? For- from school. I mean, there's always some kind of war story, something that happened either maybe with your students or with you or that you saw when you were in school, some kind of, you know, reality thing.
1: Um, yes. In that class that I had mentioned that I loved, uh, my garde manger class when I was in school, when I was a student, I will never forget. It was our second to last class. We were getting ready to go on our externships. And this boy that was in class with us was cleaning the hoods. And I remember hearing the chef say multiple times that he should be on a stage. Stepladder to do the hoods. So he had one foot on one side of the deep fryer and the other foot on the other side, and he was wiping down the hoods right above it. And I, I have a lot of anxiety to begin with. And I remember looking over there and just kind of, you know, shutting my eyes. Sure enough, he ended up slipping a little bit and both of his feet went down. Uh his legs went up to the knees in the deep fryer. Ooh, ouch. Um and I was horrified, but he was fine. I mean, he was okay. He had some superficial burns, but he was able to have gotten out fast enough. Oh, I that was a terrifying day. And had
0: it been maybe turned off for a little while so it wasn't as, you know, the full four hundred degrees yes. or something. So
1: I hope so, <laughs> yes. <laughs> At the time it was just, you know, you're thinking like, oh my gosh, he is going to deep fry uh, his leg. Instructor, it was usually during knife skills. That's what I found. I'm not sure about other instructors, but every time I have a knife skill assessment, it's, you know, the cutting boards are, are, have blood. <laughs> Um, because nine times out of 10, it's because their knife wasn't sharp enough. So it seems to always happen in the middle of a knife skills assessment.
0: (laughs) Bring out the band-aids, right? It's... Oh, yes. Um, Can you share with us, who are three people who have been the most influential to you, whether it's in either, you know, career, as teaching, as a student, as, you know, family, whatever it was that kind of influenced you on your way up?
1: Yeah, I have, oh gosh, only three. I, <laughs> so I guess professionally, I would say um, that Chef Jacques Pepin has been my absolute idol. I would wake up and watch he and Julia Child on PBS, and I loved it. I still, to this day, I follow him. I love the way he cooks. <laughs> I writes his recipes, and I like everything. Um, his life is amazing. Um, if you've read his book, he's had an amazing life. And and he's always been respectful. That's one thing everyone that's ever worked for him has said. He's always been respectful. And I hope that all the different places that I've worked at would say that about me. Um, so I've always taken that into consideration. Personally, uh, my grandmother, my father's mother, she was the one I would say that was distinctly responsible for me, loving food, watching her in the kitchen. Cutting peppers, We'd go over there sometimes and she'd make a quick, quick bread with some sauteed peppers and garlic and olive oil. And we'd sit there and talk um, those little things. It's, it was her, uh, her cooking skills that I, I loved it. And when I would ask her to be in the kitchen with her, she would never hesitate. Always let me watch her except for how she canned her peppers. She never let me see that. <laughs> um, yeah. I will say she was one of the most difficult people to tell that I was going to go to culinary school and that I was going to be a chef. She's, she didn't understand it. Um, <laughs> she couldn't figure out what do you mean? You know, a career cooking you're supposed to cook, uh, what I don't understand. She, uh, she taught me a lot of, a lot of what I know now. I would say, uh, Third, I'm going to have to combine two people, and I would say my parents. Uh, my mom was a, she's an Irish woman from Philadelphia, and my dad obviously was Italian. And mom has come into her own and has created her own cuisine that we had growing up. Uh, it was a mixture of things she had in Philly and things she learned, you know, that my dad liked, and maybe things that my grandmother would make but tamed down a little bit. For example, my grandmother would make risotto with offal And the offal she would put in there, you know, we're kids, we were... We were, we were terrified of it, and my mom would, you know, make risotto that didn't have that in it. Maybe it had chicken in it instead, and not, you know, chicken heart. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so she was able to adapt, and she loves to cook. She has every single holiday at her house. Even now that my dad's passed, she still has every holiday at her house. And doesn't ever use paper for the holidays. It's always china. It's full blast table filled with food. So it's experiences like that led me to where I am today.
0: Do you have a dream about going into the medical thing? Did you ever think like what could have been if you didn't, if you changed paths or you stayed on the path you were on?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, financially, it would be mm. a whole different ballgame. I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't... Um, There'd be a lot less things to worry about, but I, I I don't know the kind of person I would be if I had gone into into that field, you know. Wow. I think for me, um, I definitely made the right decision. I and especially now in my career, I love what I do right now because I feel at the end of the day I'm doing something for the greater good. I I wouldn't change it. I but yes, I do think about it.
0: I think you said you had three children. Do they want to go into this uh, profession or do you, would you want them to go into this profession? Hmm.
1: It's hard. It's hard to say. Um, one of the dreams my husband and I have is to one day when we're just tired of of running a line for other people, we'd love to open up a little place. We cook very well together. Um, but we haven't cooked together in the same restaurant in, in quite some time. In that case, if we were able to do that, my kids wanted to take that over sometime, that would be great. I wouldn't have a problem with it. However, you know, in the current economic climate, would I try, would I be that parent that might steer them away from saying they want to, you know, be a line cook? I might. Um, They're all going to show me that they're going to do exactly what they want to do. All I can do is offer my my advice. So
0: now you you say your husband's in the in the in the industry as well. Yes, he is. Who's the better cook? Who's the better chef?
1: We'll both tell you that we both are. (laughs) Um, But in all seriousness, I am. I'm a little bit more uh, anxious. In the kitchen, I can easily wear my uh, stress right on my face, right on my sleeve. And my husband is cucumber when he's cooking. My husband was very, could hear a pin drop, very um, calm, very clean. Um, that ticket machine could start and not stop and it wouldn't bother him one bit. Whereas with me, I was a little bit more vocal and <laughs> I did not, and I still do not enjoy that ticket machine, but yes, I would definitely, he is 10 times better than I am. <laughs>
0: Well, it sounds like you complement each other. So that would be great if you ever open your place down the road. Yes. It would be a good balance. Yep.
1: yep. We do. We work very well uh, together. He does balance and bring me back down you know, from outer space when I start to go you know, during
0: service. So you've told us about your culinary school story. What would you, you know, summarize as the key takeaway? What is the, you know, this this is your story. What would the, uh, the line be?
1: I would say, you know, anything is possible. Culinary school isn't just for opening up a restaurant and, and owning your own business. It really can guide you where wherever wherever you go in life. Beneficial all around. Um, so I'd say for me, I mean, it helped me to sort of find my way. And it also helps me still branch out and, and take different paths. It still centers me, still has allowed me to make, you know, the, the braver moves of my life and in my career, um, with regards to culinary.
0: Great. Is there anything else that I missed? Do you want to share before we wrap it up? Is there anything in there that you want to be advice, give something to...
1: Advice is to just follow your dreams. And, you know, even if it's terrifying, even if it's leaving medical field to cook food, uh, you know, it's first going to make you happy. Because if you're happy with what you're doing, it doesn't matter how much money you make. And it doesn't matter, you know, how many hours you work. If you like what you're doing, it just time flies. So I would say do what makes you happy.
0: Well, thank you so much, Jordan, for being on the show. We really appreciate you coming on, sharing your advice, sharing your story with all the listeners. And uh, we appreciate it. And and thank you. Thank you again.
1: Thank you for having me. I was honored.
0: All right. Well, take care and stay safe. All
1: right. Thanks so much. Have a good one. Bye.
0: And a big thanks and appreciation also goes out to all of you, the listeners. We hope you enjoy the show and this episode. You all are a big part of this show, so please let us know what you think. Your comments are always welcome and they help us in making the best show possible. You can email them to culinaryschoolstories at gmail.com. That's culinaryschoolstories at gmail.com or even leave us a voicemail at area code 207-835-1275. That's area code 207-835-1275. And if you like the show, we have a big ask of all of you, and that is to share the podcast with everyone you know and to give us a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Okay, until our next culinary school story, take care and be well. Bye-bye.